Welcome to the Weather Channel Podcast. I'm Kate Parker, and today we're talking about a caravan of people from Central America that are making their way to the U.S.-Mexico border. But what you may not realize is that there is a drought and climate connection here. Joining me right now is Giancarlos Frey, an Emmy Award-winning TV correspondent and producer who is in Mexico City and talking to the migrants. He's on assignment for weather.com. So, um, John, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. I know you've been working a lot of long hours to try and get these stories. Um, But I kind of want to set the stage for everybody first. So um, can you give us a little introduction on what you've done so far and why you're there in Mexico City? Sure. We've actually uncovered about a month ago, I shouldn't say uncovered, but are reporting on this phenomenon that we see on the increase, which is uh, a prolonged drought in Central America. And I think most of us have probably heard about this migrant caravan that's making its way northward. And I think what people don't realize is a lot of the people that we're seeing are actually climate refugees. I've uh, visited Guatemala and parts of Central America, and I'm finding that crops are failing at a very high rate. And most of Central America is an economy that's based in agriculture. So if the crops fail, people usually don't have recourse. So we're not exactly sure how many people in the caravan are affected by the climate, but we've talked to quite a few people who have lost their crops and have no other means to make a living, and they've joined the caravan and are part of that caravan. We're starting to see climate refugees. So these climate refugees, um, a lot of times we think of climate as sea level rise, or we think of it as, you know, these massive wildfires and these very visual things. But uh, drought is such a huge component. That is, is that mainly the driving factor here? I mean, you're talking a lot about crops, but is that what you found? From my understanding, the region that these people are coming from, which is predominantly Honduras, parts of Guatemala, some from El Salvador, they're all smack in the middle of what's known as the Dry Corridor, an area in Central America that has been experiencing a a prolonged period of drought up to about five years now. This year was especially hard. The rains came late and the rains didn't come enough. There was just not enough water to irrigate the crops and the crops failed in some places up to 90% crop failure. So if you live off of the land and the land isn't producing your food, you really don't have much to fall back on. Most of these people are poor. They live on a dollar or two a day. And if their resources dry up, literally, there aren't very many jobs in in the region. So they have to move. Right. So uh, from my understanding that, you know, if we lose, and we've seen this play out throughout history, right, Uh, where we've seen when crops dry up, people who live in rural locations go to the cities. Is that where you are, are referring to when you say the jobs have dried up and that has kind of led to a lot of this unrest? Well, if 80% of of the population relies on agriculture on in one way or another, and let's just say for, for lack of a better description that agriculture fails, that means that most of the population is going to be looking for a minimum amount of jobs. So the jobs are scarce to begin with. And then when you have people who've lost uh, jobs in another sector, in another industry, uh, those jobs are very limited. It's very difficult. I talked to a woman yesterday who's been looking for a job for three years. She's been able to get a job for a day here or there, maybe cleaning houses, maybe a, a, a day labor type work. But for the most part, the jobs that can pay enough to make a living 
are, are scarce or almost non-existent. So these folks that you've talked to, I mean, is there one story in particular that really stands out for you or one conversation that really hit you? Yeah, we're, we're following along with a young woman by the name of Fabiola. She's from Honduras, from a region known as Santa Barbara. This is an agricultural region which primarily grows corn and beans. Those are staple crops. And the excess of those crops, if it's a good harvest, they can sell those for extra money to buy provisions, to buy things that they need for the home. She She's a single mom. She has two kids, a seven-year-old girl and a two-year-old boy. She had to leave. Uh, she said that she had been down to one meal a day, and that meal was just on a subsistence level, just enough to feed herself and her children, not enough to really fill their bellies, and she had no recourse. She took her two-year-old, left her seven-year-old with her mother, and she's heading north. She's part of this caravan now, and she's looking for what she says is a better life, an opportunity to make a little bit of extra money and to send it back home to her children and the rest of her family. A woman who's 25 years old with a two-year-old child in tow uh, trying to make this thousands of mile journey is um, is a harrowing tale. This woman basically is doing this on her own and has joined the group for safety so that she could be protected by, by the size of the group. Wow. Yeah. You hear things like that and it just really paints a picture of people are just trying to feed their families and their crops won't grow and There's they have nothing to sell. Yeah, there's nothing else. She said that uh, the excess harvest she would be able to, you know, be able to buy eggs and cheese and butter and just basic provisions and maybe clothes for the children. That's all gone. That that part of her life hasn't been uh, been in existence for a while. They've just been barely able to put a one meal on the table and mostly uh, what she said to me, she just can't do it anymore. Uh, if she were to stay in Honduras, she's afraid that her family would go hungry. Uh, the, the World Food Program, which is associated with the United Nations, has determined parts of Central America as what they determine to be famine status. There are over 400,000 people right now that are in that category of famine. And that's why we're here. We want to report on that issue. And I don't think that the caravan, at least the reports about the caravan, people are talking about people going hun hungry and that's why they're leaving. It is incredible how many people are have been struck by famines over the course of it, of history and forgive me while I kind of, you know, go on a tangent here for a moment, but this is just what climate scientists have preached and spoken about for the last few decades. For decades, they've been saying people will be forced from their homes. And this is exactly what we're seeing play out. And there is an El Nino connection here to this dry corridor that we're talking about in Central America. So when we have a very strong El Nino, they don't get the rain that they need. And if you remember, we had the strongest El Nino on record in 2016. We have had nearly back-to-back -back El Ninos with barely any reprieve of a La Nina. A La Nina would be when they get their much needed rainfall. And while the last year we did have a technically a La Nina in place, it was a very, very weak one and it was very brief. These cycles typically go every two to seven years. But what we're seeing are these persistent El Ninos and then these very short La Ninas and all of the researchers suggesting that we're going to be seeing more El Ninos in the future. And we're already back in one, by the way. We're, we, we had such a brief La, La Nina, and we're back in El Nino, which means that we have, we're going to 
continue to see this drought there. That's not that's not changing anytime soon. And if we're looking at more and more frequent weather patterns like this, that's exactly what climate change is all about. It has changed the climate there where they previously were able to farm. They are now unable to. If you speak to the migrants and the farm workers in this region, they'll tell you exactly that. They, they won't give you the science, but they'll say the last four or five years, it's been strangely dry. Uh, this is a region of the world that has been farmed for over a thousand years. This is where the Mayans and, and the Aztecs had their civilizations. And they relied on weather and they relied on weather patterns and the seasons. And if you, if you travel through this region, the hillsides for miles are covered in cornfields. There is no irrigation. There's absolutely no other way around this. Uh, this is a community and a part of the world that has relied on weather patterns. And they'll say, they'll say to me without even asking, this is all related to climate change. Exactly. This is the and and the the problem is is that climate change disrupts society. And so we have this huge disruption politically across Mexico and the United States with this this caravan of migrants that is making their way north toward the border and that's the whole point. You know, what can we do as a society to try and prevent this from happening? How can we how can we limit our warming so that we're not seeing these huge shifts? Um and that's our, of course a part of the bigger conversation here. Um but you know what's almost insulting John is that dry begets dry. So once you dry out, which I'm sure they did pretty significantly during the 2016 El Nino, you're going to have to you have to have something extraordinary to break a drought like that. It's not like a little weather system. It has to be extraordinary and clearly they're not getting that anytime soon. So, um I kind of I want to bring it back around to where you are right now in Mexico City and where that is in the progress of this journey. A lot of these migrants are from Central America, so they traveled north, um, and a lot of those spots were very hot. Did they have a difficult time with heat exhaustion and, um, you know, traveling for hours and hours and hours in, in temperatures in the 90s? Yeah, that, that is a, a really good point. I guess we don't see it too much, and it's hard to sort of fathom for ourselves in the United States. But people have been on the road for over a month. People left about a month ago and tried to cross into Mexico. They're on roads. They're on blacktop, on paved roads. They are subject to the elements. If it's raining, they're going to get wet. If it's over 90 degrees, there's no protection. There's no shade. They stay on roads on purpose because they're the safest and easiest ways to travel. So if you've been on foot for over a month, you're going to be affected by the elements. Just yesterday, we were we were uh, doing some reporting, and right behind us, we saw a woman who appeared to have fainted and was being carried off by medical personnel. We have heard that there has been attrition in the migrant caravan. People have started to get sick. People have worn down. They have blisters on their feet. They've been uh, affected by the heat, and you know there are young there are young children who are susceptible. Um, many of the people are families, and so if one person gets sick, everybody has to go back. And, and we're seeing that the, the population size of the caravan is decreasing. And a lot of that has to do with the weather. If a lot of these um, migrants are um, farmers and that's what they've done and that's what they know, are they looking for agriculture you know, opportunities in a place that they see to be more fertile, um, to have the ability to irrigate and have the ability to grow crops? 
The United Nations um, World Food Program has set up an office in Guatemala and is working on education in the region, trying to find ways to plant sustainable crops. If this is if this is true climate change and this is no longer going to be a wet region where where corn can grow, there's also cacao here, uh, which is used for chocolate. There's also coffee here. And so if these crops are going to continue to fail, they're going to have to learn how to plant different things that maybe are a little bit more drought tolerant. Uh, that's a long-term process here. You're going to have to wait for the plants to grow in an, in an entirely different agricultural system. So yeah, there are efforts, but they're just in the in the anemic beginning stages. Uh, this is the beginning of this, what appears to be this prolonged drought. The United Nations itself believes that we're going to see migration from this region in the millions in the coming years. In the millions. Yeah, there's about three to six million people if the drought, just if the drought persists, that would be displaced by crop failure. What's wild to me about that is with the crisis in Syria, that only displaced about seven million people. And it had such, you know, huge impacts worldwide. And we're talking about something near the same size. Well, if you take a look at what the migrant caravan is now, which has been in the news, it's 5,000 people. It's just 5,000 people. So you're going to have to multiply that exponentially to to talk about a wave of people who are going to be displaced because they don't have enough food. Um, This is something that I think the United States is about to experience for the first time, the effects of climate change. And, And the United States isn't suffering the crop failure. We're going to be seeing the waves of migration because there aren't many places for these people to go. They can't stay in their home countries. Mexico can only take so many, and they have been with this particular caravan allowing people to stay. Uh, Jobs are also scarce in Mexico. And most of these people uh, don't have much of an education. They're not skilled beyond their the work that they do as farm workers. So what kinds of work are they going to be able to get? We'll probably be seeing a lot more waves at the US-Mexico border, or at least that is the prediction. And do you think that people in the United States have a good idea of the climate connection here that, hey, this is happening because of climate change? This is impacting you and your politics and who you're voting for and what's on your news because of climate change? If we take a look at at, uh, the reaction from the United States towards the migrant caravan, at least the caravan that we see now, I don't see the issue of of climate change being addressed in any of the policies that are being discussed. So far, what I understand is there uh, is a wave of migrants heading northward to the U.S.-Mexico border, possibly to Tijuana, Mexico, which is opposite of San Diego, California. And the U.S. government is sending troops, is sending the U.S. military to fortify the border. Um, I'm not sure that sending troops is going to uh, alleviate climate change. So the issue does not seem to be being addressed. This is a lot to unpack here. And I know that you guys um, need to get back out and talking to people. But I can't thank you enough, John, for taking the time to help us explain this climate connection and how drought is really impacting the world through this migrant caravan. Thank you very much for your time. I'm, I'm hoping that we'll be able to keep you updated. Well, hopefully if they didn't listen to to all of the, everything that you had to say, um, maybe at least the coffee and the chocolate caught their attention. <laughs> it probably <laughs> would. It does to me for sure. Okay. Uh, thank you again, John. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
I want to thank you guys for you know starting this conversation with us here on this podcast. By you listening to this, hopefully it has sparked some thoughts and it'll spark some conversations at the water cooler at those ever uh, <laughs> interesting Thanksgiving tables. <laughs> we'll see how that goes over. Um, but regardless, don't forget to subscribe to the Weather Channel podcast on iTunes and Google Play Store. And you can follow all the coverage about this migrant caravan as we continue to follow it and these climate refugees on weather.com. Thanks. Thanks.